Good morning, streamers. I've missed you. Welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcasters favorite podcast no matter how long the girl be gone okay your favorite podcasters favorite podcast stream of social consciousness with your host olivia brown and what it is what's up how has everybody been it's been wild life has been wild for me um if you follow the stream of social consciousness instagram which at this point if you aren't following at stream the stream on instagram and twitter you i don't know the irs is going to audit you um jeff bezos is going to uh exploit you something's going to happen and either way i came on Instagram a while back, like right when I graduated from, oh my gosh, it's been so long that, <laughs> it's been so long that I've graduated. Well, you, you all, you know, I've graduated from my degree program. Yay. Um, and I came on to the stream Instagram right after my graduation, just kind of letting you all know that grad school is fucking hard. <laughs> grad school is a very difficult um, business venture and not very lucrative. Um, but you know, we're here on the other side with the degree in hand. Um, and I kind of just took like a very extendo break because I wrote a thesis. If you would like to read my thesis, it's available on my website, oliviajbrown.com. Um, I was finishing classes. I was graduating. I was job hunting. Everything was happening. Everything still is happening. Um, and I came on briefly to kind of talk about that, say, hey, say thank you to everyone who has checked in on me and checked in on the stream because I know I kind of just like disappeared and that was not my intention. However, that's what happened. That's what happens when you are a super bad bitch trying to, you know, survive under the crushing weight of academia under the crushing weight of a pandemic. Um, so we're back though. <laughs> you know, she always come back with the content. She always come back the way she's supposed to. And we back, we back in the business. And I have things I would like to say. Um, I've missed being here in the stream with y'all. And I have some new things. I've been reworking the uh, format of the show. I've been kind of thinking about how to you know, best, be the best podcast ever. Um, I mean, we're already the favorite podcaster, favorite podcast, but you know, we gotta, we always have to evolve, always elevating. Um, and I've been just kind of, you know, going through my pandemic motions while also trying to be a grad student, while also trying to be a podcast host, while also trying to be a bad bitch. You know, it's a lot, it's a lot. Um, but we're back and we're here to talk about Pride right as we close up the lovely month of June, Pride Month. And I have things and stuff to say per the usual. So let's hop on in. See, now I told y'all we're making some changes around here. You know, we're doing some some spring cleaning, we're making some edits, we're doing some new things in the stream. And if you notice, we didn't just hop into our splash transition and get into our main topic. That's because I want to introduce a new segment called If I Speak. And If I Speak is a segment that I want to include where I want to talk about other trending topics 
related or otherwise to the main topic, uh, current events, things that are kind of floating around at the same time of whatever it is the main topic is going to be that I don't really have the time to get into, but I do have thoughts and things to say about. And the first thing that if I spoke, <laughs> bitch, everybody would be in trouble and everybody's feelings would be hurt is the BET Awards, but more specifically the BET Awards red carpet. I'm just not understanding why everyone looked so bad. I like <laughs> everybody looked bad. Well, no, everyone didn't look bad, but it just seems so disorganized. Like it, it seems so chaotic. It seemed like all the stylists were on strike. It seemed like, you know, the stylist said, here, girl, just put this on and ain't nobody go say nothing to you. And I, for me, in my opinion, to me, Olivia Brown, I think that Lil Nas X was probably one of the, one of, if not the best dressed person on the, uh, I, I was about to say runway. I always want to say runway because I love me some runway, but on the red carpet. And to me, for me, if I were ever invited to the BET Awards, I would literally rather croak like fully just pass away on the red carpet before I ever let a man look better to me in any way at any time but that's just me uh but anywho if I speak about these outfits like I said someone's feelings are gonna get hurt I just don't understand why they all look so mad so I saw someone tweet something along the lines of um because fast fashion, because one of the things that fast fashion, uh, Fashion Nova, things like that, um, they create these replicas of these like red carpet ready outfits, these runway ready outfits. Um, and it's given, you know, regular folks like you and I proximity to these, what used to be high fashion looks, it's almost lowered the bar for, other like for actual celebrities and what they will wear and i really get that because i'm thinking about summer walker specifically summer walker looked like fashion nova period point blank uh she looked like fashion nova um all the way and i'm just like if fashion nova never existed this probably would have been a lovely in theory, if Fashion Nova never existed, this probably would have been a lovely dress to wear for um, something. I don't know if it was for an award show, but it probably would have been a lovely dress to have on. But because I feel like I can see it every little wear, every single wear on any single body who shops on any of the fast fashion sites, it just doesn't have any impact. And if I speak, I would be talking about it all day. But let's move on on about some of the things that are going on in the BET Awards. Now, Lil Nas X is always going to shake the girls up. Lil Nas X, he breathes and the homophobes are crying, shaking and throwing up. And it's like, y'all need to get a fucking life. Y'all need to find some business. Y'all need to find something to do. Y'all need to find a hobby. Y'all need to find a friend. Y'all need to find a therapist. Y'all need to find something to do outside of just being so concerned about every move that Lil Nas X makes. 
because it's getting exhausting with it's already been exhausting but it's getting even more exhausting with y'all these days and truly i already spoke about homophobia and lil nas x and the reaction to lil nas x um in an episode of season one of stream of social consciousness called niggas be gay deal with it probably one of my favorite episodes go check that out run up the streams on that stream but in this specific performance Lil Nas X uh, performed Call Me By Your Name, Montero, which is a song that has been very quote unquote controversial. Not even the song, but more so, I guess, the the visual that he always provides with the songs. Um, in his video for it, he was stripping on the stripper pole with Satan. It was very, it was very cute. I will give him that. Um, but in this particular performance, what has everyone upset, scared, shook, panicking is the fact that he kissed a man, another man on stage. And personally, I don't think it's that deep, but everyone else in the internet is losing their fucking minds. But mind you, these are the same people the same Twitter fingers that are tweeting heart eyes emojis that are, you know, smiling and laughing about Megan Thee Stallion kissing um, Young Miami of the City Girls at the BET after party. And I just, it's just really the double standard for me. It's the hypocrisy for me. It's the homophobia for me. It's the fetishism. It's fetishing. <laughs> it's the fetishing of of women, um, women kissing, having sexual relations with other women, but the shunning of men having the same. And I just, I really, honestly, truly, when I was planning for this episode, I was going to make this entire episode about Black women and homophobia in the ways that we as Black women can perpetuate homophobia, queerphobia, transphobia, whatever you may want to call it in our community. And the reason I bring that up here is because Carisha is somebody who is has gone on record saying that if her son was gay, she would beat the shit out of him or something like that. And I just, it, it's, it's mind-boggling. It's, it's flabbergasting. It's ridiculous to me that those same words can come out of the mouth that she was kissing the Megan the Stallion with. Huh? It just doesn't add up. And it's all the same system. Eh, system. Um, I do this thing where if I hear myself saying something like, I always, you know, this is what this whole show is about, you know, talking about systemic issues, talking about social issues and pop culture and all of that. But sometimes when I hear myself say the word like, system or white supremacy i'm like okay girl we get it oh my gosh shut up but no i'm gonna keep talking because it is the same system that allows for that behavior to just be left off as like uh as something that's not legitimate that also tells Lil Nas x that he is doing something terrible miserable unholy uh, something that should never be done in mainstream media, but it's also, baby, we were we were watching, um, what's Miss Lady, Miss Thing, uh, Miss Blonde, Miss Miss I've been around forever, Miss Madonna, Miss Madonna. We were watching Miss Madonna kiss Britney Spears. We were watching Janet Jackson and Britney Spears kiss also all the years ago, and it's just like, 
See, it, it's, it really is the double standard and the homophobia for me. And I do think that Black women have a role to play in that. But if I speak, maybe I'd be here for, uh, I'd be here for years, days, months. Uh, I'm like regressing. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'd be here for years, millennia, centuries, all of that. Um, but I think what's most annoying post Lil Nas X's performance is the response from a video from a comedian on Instagram named at the real super big and the real super big i don't know this person if y'all are familiar with uh their work their comedy um sound off if this is like you know a line for them but um the real super big made this like little video talking about how Lil Nas X did the most and new age gay men just want to do gay shit and, and do gay shit in front of the kids and he should be educating using his platform to educate kids about HIV and I am not a gay man at all in the slightest way however comma I am frustrated by this because I watched Nick Cannon impregnate every woman in America over the past 24 hours and no one's telling him to educate about safe sex. Anytime he pops up on my TL with an, um, a new maternity shoot, no one's like, you know, Nick Cannon, maybe you should talk about safe sex. Maybe you should talk about this and that. No one's doing that to him in his what could be described as overly sexual behavior, right? But it's all of a sudden Lil Nas X's responsibility to educate about HIV. Lil Nas X is not responsible for your kids. And if your kid's going to be gay, your kid's going to be fucking gay. What did they saw? You know, Elmo and Cookie Monster all day, every day. Or if they watching Lil Nas X tongue everybody down, every man in the audience down at the BET Awards. It does not fucking matter, in my opinion, in my right opinion. <laughs> And I think what's even more frustrating outside of him saying this are people like Phaedra, pe people like, uh, what's Miss Thing, Tamar Braxton, who have kind of built their entire brands and personalities off of the backs of the Black men, the Black queer men who they choose to to use as accessories in these comments, co-signing like, speak facts, this and that. And I just started watching um real housewives of atlanta and it's very wild to see like the way that the gay men in the early seasons of the show and probably honestly knowing them uh the way it's probably going to continue as i watch the show but seeing the way that they use these men to like go shopping and get advice and i'm just like y'all make it seem like they are your fucking purses and that's just not what they are. And it's it's so annoying because where they really have the opportunity to be an ally, they're taking what they can take from queer people and whenever, whenever their quota for, for gay shit, for queer shit is full, they're like, oh no, baby, let me get right back into this hom homophobia that I'm comfortable with. And I have a very deep issue with that and this is the last thing I'm going to say, because really, if I speak, I'd spend the whole episode on this topic for real, for real. But I grew up watching Drag Race. Like, if you know me, you know, I have watched Drag Race since about, since I was like nine years old, season two. Um, 
And one of the things that um, the performers, one of the performers that I really respect, enjoy from Drag Race of those early seasons that has stuck with me to this day is that you cannot consume you cannot and you should not consume queer performers, queer art without also acknowledging queer humanity. And I am so annoyed with like Phaedra, Tamar in these comments because they have been big beneficiaries of queerness in their lives, but they're also being wildly homophobic. And it's my same issue that I have with people who are wildly homophobic who uh yes god mama at the drag queens or go to the drag shows it's like no pick a side and stay there ho pick a side and stay there but really if i speak i'd be here all day so let's move on to the next segment and i want y'all to let me know how y'all feel about if i speak as a segment um like i said i want to use it to talk about just topics um uh, that are floating around that may or may not be related to the main thing i want to the main course the entree but I still have thoughts that if I spoke, baby, everybody ass would be grass. So let's move on. You have now entered the stream. You already know what's going on when you hear that splash. We're about to get into the meat and potatoes of the episode. Um, and... In the stream this week, I really want to hyper-focus on the whitewashing and commodification of pride because I feel, to me, in my humble opinion, that the whitewashing commodification of pride has kind of, in a way, led to like the whitewashing and like distorted... Um, understanding of queerness in the black community making it seem as though like queerness being gay all of these things are white things and that black people black men black women black people period are, are exempt from that black people when they are queer are participating in whiteness and i just that is just not historically accurate that's not culturally accurate it's not accurate per at all. And it really is something that like every year when Pride rolls around, it, it feels like, you know, these businesses, these companies, they they rainbow their entire aesthetics down. And that's as far as it goes for them. And I think that this, I think that this commodification is linked to whitewashing. I think that this is linked to white supremacy, of course, is linked to capitalism, of course. And it's having this like trickle down effect to our understanding, uh, ability to empathize with uh, queerness. Uh, but before I get too ahead of myself, I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, what pride is, what the history of pride is, um, and why we celebrate pride. So the first Pride was on June 28, 1970, and it celebrates the one-year anniversary of the Stonewall Inn riots of 1969. So essentially, the Stonewall Inn is a historic, legendary landmark 
um, legendary, iconic gay landmark in New York City. Big up New York City in Green, Greenwich. Green, girl, I'm not from New York for real, but it's in the village. <laughs> and it is a gay bar um, that in the 1960s, many people would frequent and at the same time many police raids were frequent as well but stonewall the stonewall riots of 1969 marks the first well one of the first times uh one of the first documented times where queer people fought back against these police riots that were very obviously targeted and very obviously discriminatory if i didn't say already I will leave some links about what Pride is, um, organizations to support, um, and the history of Pride all in one. But just to kind of briefly let you all know what it is, it's honoring this protest where these queer folks said, y'all are not going to fucking treat us like this. And if you try to, we're going to raise hell every time. And since then, we have celebrated Pride in order to kind of honor that same resistance in the present, to continue this act of resistance and protest that says you cannot treat queer people any the fuck type of way, but also that queer people are allowed liberation, they are allowed freedom, they are allowed joy, and we are going to keep fighting in order to make that happen. That is in a nutshell, in less than five minutes, what Pride is, the history, um, and why we celebrate. Like I said, I will add links um, that kind of give more context if you want to do some deep dive history. Um, there's a really great documentary about uh, Marsha P. Johnson, who was a drag queen who threw the first brick at Pride, excuse me, threw the first brick at Stonewall in 1969 um, at at the officers who had raided the bar. Um, the more I like learn about Marsha P. Johnson, the more I um, you know, do some research about Pride for this episode and otherwise, uh, I just think she's fucking badass, okay? And I really enjoyed watching the documentary. It's on Netflix. Um, if you don't have a Netflix, don't hit me up. You cannot use my Netflix, but I know you have a cousin somewhere that has Netflix. Please watch it, it's really great. And I'll leave the link to that below as well. Um, so now that we're all kind of caught up to speed about what Pride is and why we celebrate it in general, I kind of want to talk about why I wanted to talk about whitewashing and commodification of Pride to begin with. And honestly, this topic came from me thinking about Juneteenth becoming a federal holiday. So if you don't know what Juneteenth is, Juneteenth, um, is celebrated on June 19th, which commemorates the day that the last enslaved people were informed about their freedom years and years after um, slavery had been abolished in Galveston, Texas. So we celebrate Juneteenth in order to celebrate the true independence and freedom of all enslaved, well, quote unquote, allegedly independent and freedom of enslaved people. And recently, um, very recently, um, in this same month, right before Juneteenth, uh, um, Juneteenth became a federal holiday. And 
I am unhappy with that personally. I think that there is something that's just very superficial about Juneteenth becoming a holiday. It feels very cherry picked where, and what I mean by that is, sure, we people have been asking for Juneteenth to be a holiday and sure, it's very important for Juneteenth to be acknowledged. However, we've also been asking for reparations. Read, uh, read my thesis all about reparations. If you want to learn about that, we've been asking for reparations. We've been asking for health care. We've been asking y'all to stop fucking killing us in the streets or in our homes or wherever you decide to kill us. But we've been asking for all of these things alongside asking for Juneteenth to become a federal holiday. So when I say that it feels cherry picked, it's like people, the, the powers that be in charge, pick this one thing out of all of the other shit that we've been asking for to be like, here, look, we gave you something. Look, be so excited that we gave you something. It feels like scraps. It feels like, um, it feels like not really addressing the true importance of the holiday. It feels like lip service and foolishness because in the same way that okay, Juneteenth became a holiday, CRT or critical race theory is not allowed to be taught in about 14 states, which means that when, as Juneteenth is a holiday, there are students, there are kids in school who will not be able to learn why Juneteenth is a holiday. Does that make any fucking sense to anybody? And this is why it's frustrating to me. And this is why um, I thought about this in relation to pride, because what I notice with pride every year is that people will kind of, they. I don't even want to say whitewash. It's like whitewash, ciswash, straightwash, hetero, uh, normative wash, the queer, the black out of pride to make it more palatable for the general masses and in a way i guess someone could argue you know it is important for large-scale visibility of things like juneteenth and things like pride however when you filter them out so much that they start to become that, that they start to not lose meaning but that they are largely understood for the general masses without also giving any tangible changes to the communities that you're supposed to be celebrating. What the fuck is it for? What the fuck do we gain? Because no, and I and I, I think about Juneteenth because I can imagine a couple years in the future that something similar that has happened with Pride where Pride Month rolls around and the rainbow comes out, the Pride collections come out, the all of that comes out. I can imagine something similar happening with Juneteenth where Juneteenth rolls around and the dashikis are going to come out, the ally t-shirts are going to come out. All the foolish capitalistic bullshit is going to come out without any tangible changes for Black people. And... And I, I I know that people will say like, oh, you know, 
change has come for the queer community, but that has been decades and decades and decades of change. And this is what's frustrating is that like we have made it so that pride to a lot of people means um, these kind of purchases. Pride means what you can put on. Pride means what you can post. Pride means how you can change your profile picture to put a rainbow filter without actually it making tangible change, quick, quick, tangible change for queer people. And it's just, it's frustrating. And I think that it is a function of white supremacy. I think that white supremacy tells us that anything that is not aligned with whiteness is not it it's not to be accepted the way it is it has to be warped in some way in order to be accepted by whiteness and this is why i say that um this is why it's important for me to say excuse me rather that queerness is blackness queerness is is just as black as anything else that you want to call black because white supremacy sees it that way. White supremacy sees queerness as a bastard thing that cannot really be associated with the purity and sanctity of whiteness, Christianity, all of these things that kind of work together. And I think that it's really, really important for us to acknowledge queerness as Blackness and 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 see it for what it is because these systems system eh, these systems are so pervasive in that way that they'll literally sweep the fucking rug from up under you on some shit that belongs to you and then make you detach from it and i think that that's what's happening um again in my opinion to me this is what i see happening with queerness in the black community where it feels as though, because I see this like commodification of pride, this commodification of queerness every year, it makes it as so that, it makes it so that queerness is a product or it, it's a product and a byproduct of whiteness and none of those are true. And because that is kind of what is being flashed out and projected to the general masses, um, black people who are not actively, you know, seeking information about uh, queerness, um, actively unlearning homophobia, they will associate queerness with whiteness and disassociate it from blackness and give them even more reason to be homophobic and queerphobic at all of these things. And I really think that that's important. I think that that's important kind of nuance to consider the ways that like white supremacy outside of the obvious ways are making us, are, are is divisive to our larger community. And I want to play this video from at underscore Lenizi on Instagram. If y'all don't follow Lenizi and get your parking lot chronicles, keep it parking lot pimping you are missing out on very, very quality content. Um, but I want to share this video that she made about Black Pride because I think that she hits on so many topics about this kind of same nuance and some other things related to 
white supremacy, queerness, blackness, and how it all relates. So I'm going to play that and then I'll come right back. Hey y'all, what's up? It's Friday, so I'm going to keep it black but I'm gonna keep it brief. So it's Pride Month, and I could give y'all a history or celebrate the work of Marsha P. Johnson, Bayard Rustin, Angela Davis, Langston Hughes, or James Baldwin, but I'm sure you'll hear about them from the corporations that are newly enthusiastic about Black Lives Matter and are trying to get your Black Pride dollars for Pride Month. Instead, Miss Tabitha, Auntie Tab, if you will, inspired me to talk to y'all about celebrating the Black queer people living in your own house. Come on! Uh, black Christians, let me tell you something. Pan-Africanists, let me tell you something. The Black queer people in your family are not abominations. They are not hell-bound. They are not contributing to the failure, extermination, or elimination of the Black race. Say it louder, please. An integral part of healing Black communities is inclusivity and doing right by the people we are tasked to love and protect. And we start by doing that by understanding where all this hate comes from in the first place. European colonization spread three things in this world. Number one, white people, and therefore Eurocentrism, or the prioritization of European culture. Androcentrism, or the prioritization of men. And heterocentrism, or the prioritization of heterosexuality. And therefore, when we became free in the United States and had this pseudo-American identity, black people adopted respectability politics to achieve a more nuanced American identity that white people would accept, to gain respect from white people, to avoid violence with white people, and to mimic white social hierarchies in order to later assimilate into white social hierarchies. But this day and age, all that's doing is maintain the status quo. Well, I mean, it's just not natural. Literally found in nature everywhere. Have you met dogs? <laughs> well, I mean, it's a sin. Hmm, and why are queer people sins the only ones that predicate how they should or should not be loved? Protected and respected. Well, I mean, it's just like, it's a white people thing. They brought that over here. And wrong again. Queerness can be found in indigenous cultures across the world, including Africa and ancient Egypt. I'm sorry, isn't Egypt a part of Africa? Yes, girl, but I don't think they know that. <laughs> For those of you that insist that homosexuality is a European concept, you are incorrect. Scholars discuss its existence in West Africa, East Africa, Zimbabwe, Zanzibar, Angola, Cameroon, and Rwanda, just to name a few, prior to European colonization. Archaeologists have even found Bushman artwork on cave paintings depicting same-sex relationships. What the white people did bring was homophobia based on parts of scripture they used to strengthen their arguments of why black people were uncivilized and in need of salvation by way of enslavement. Preach to them today! I am so sorry, Lord, the white folks have just been using your word all willy-nilly. <laughs> and the reality is, is that these are just distractions. Methods to keep us stratified and seeped in philosophy that will prevent us from ever banding together and achieving liberation for all black people. And I am quite tired of the ideas that suggest that all black people should focus on the black problem first. As if there are not gay and trans issues, women's issues, classes issues, ableist issues that are also black issues. Psst, they, they mean the black male problem first. We, we know. know! And that line of thinking only projects another kind of violence on black queer people when the straights want to skip past the accountability of harm done by their own communities and demand that black queer people only focus on black straight people problems. But the reality is we won't heal like that. Those none of us are free until all of us are free signs that we raised in the summer of 2020 also apply to black queer individuals. <laughs> And how are they gonna be free if they don't get the same love, support, visibility, and respect that we ask for? And what many people don't realize about black history is that many movements for black liberation have been spearheaded by and driven by LGBTQ individuals. And it's precisely because the most desperate of us are most willing to take the risk because what else do they have to lose? Huey P. Newton said that even the homosexual is revolutionary. Perhaps, he is the most revolutionary. And how disappointing it must be for revolutionaries to be treated like sacrificial lambs for the people that benefit off the sacrifices they make. Goodness gracious, I say. Yikes. Next we got So where do we go from here? I really like how she said the future of, you know, the Black community is inclusivity. It's rooted in inclusion. And I was having a conversation with a friend 
um, about the nuclear family. So y'all know what the nuclear family is, you know, mom, dad, uh, two kids, dog, and how that is a like creation, uh, like a capitalistic creation to sell houses. And I was talking to my friend about how the nuclear family, like, is not, not that it's not natural, um, it's not, because, it, like I said, it, it was definitely something that was created. Look this up. I'm not just talking out of my you-know-where. Look this up. This is real tea. This is real sociological uh, facts. But I was just thinking about how, like, we're so accustomed to this idea of the nuclear family that in a lot of cultures is not norm, quote-unquote normal. It's not what pe- what people experience like i was thinking about the idea of like family being community how family is you know your aunts your uncles the community the people the village who raises you uh the proverbial or literal village that raises you right and i was thinking about that in relation to how people say that like you know queerness is the uh queerness is ruining the black family but what I want to say and, and why I brought that up is because, like Lenizi said, inclusion is the next step. Inclusion is what's necessary. I truly believe that in, in order for us to um, include and, and to fully embrace the idea of inclusion for all Black people, we have to understand that like they are our family. We have to see them as family, as a part of our community. And I think that people, like she mentioned again, are so caught up in these ideas of heteronormativity, are so caught up in these structures that for a lot of us are 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 not what our family, what our actual family mirrors. Baby, I was raised by my my I love my mom, my parents, you know, I love my mom and dad, but I was raised by my my grandma, I was raised by my aunts and uncles, I was raised by my gay family members, you know, they are equally a part of my family as anybody else's. And I'm using family as like a metaphor, but like truly, you know, we have to be accepting of our like actual family, our actual queer family who for a lot of y'all may be, uh, for maybe not y'all, because if you're listening to this podcast, I doubt that you are a homophobe in any way. But for a lot of families out there, don't see their queer family members as their family. We need to accept them in that way. But we also, in a general kind of community way, we need to see them as a part of our community. Long story short, I've I've drawn on for about 30 minutes now to drive the point home that queerness is Blackness, that queer Black people are equally a part of our community and contribute just as much as literally anybody else and oftentimes more. And we need to accept and celebrate and protect and support wherever we can in order to truly see a a large scale Black liberation. There is no Black liberation. For all of y'all who may know those, you know, super Pan-African Black nationalist people, Please know, please know there is no Black liberation without Black 
Black queer liberation. There is no Black race liberation without truly including all Black lives, period, point blank. That's it. That's all. And I think that it's really, really important to see these things. And like I said, to see the the pervasiveness of white supremacy and see what it's doing to our community so we can actively say, no, the fuck you won't. You are not allowed, this system, whiteness as a system is not allowed to make us disassociate from our queer family. And we will not tolerate that alongside um, alongside the fight, the actual, the literal fight for uh, queer rights and and against queer discrimination. So with that, I want to introduce you all to the new way that I'm hoping to end the stream, the main topic, meat and potatoes segment of stream of social consciousness with QTNA, questions that need answers. And I think in stream of social consciousness, this a lot of this is my actual stream of consciousness about these topics. I'm kind of just thinking about the ways that things connect and how certain things show up everywhere. And I don't have the answers for real, for real. Like I have the analysis, but I don't have the answers. And I want to start posing some questions to you all so we can start brainstorming, start thinking about, you know, ways to take these conversations in the stream and actualize them in the world. So today I don't have questions. I have question. I have question that need answer. Ew. <laughs> what in the not grammar was that? Question that need answer. Okay, look, English is a colonizer language. Correcting my grammar, that's racist, first of all. So anyway, my question that need answer is... How do we create a reality where queer people are safe and supported quickly? Like, how do we do this and it doesn't take the rest of my life? How do we make this happen in a tangible way? How do we see these? How do we see this inclus- inclusion, this inclusivity that myself and Lenise were talking about? How do we see this through? How do we actualize this in, this, in our communities? And how have you actualized this in your community? What strategies can you share? I think I'm gonna post on Instagram um, like a little QTNA with this question. Y'all can sound off in the comments. Um, even more reason to follow the girl, follow the stream at stream the stream on Instagram and Twitter. But that's my question that needs an answer at the end of this stream of consciousness. How do we? take this conversation and move it into reality and how do we do it in a way that doesn't take forever and with that my darlings we are bringing our show to a close with yet another new segment that i would like to call what's streaming it's very light just want to talk about some of the things that i've been streaming and put y'all up on game a little bit a little bit so I know that people are streaming Doja Cat's new album, however, comma, period, semicolon. I have not really heard it yet, but 
I'm looking forward to doing so. So that's not what's streaming. That's what will be streaming. We're also streaming thought shit, hands on your knees, shake your ass on your thought shit. <laughs> okay. Um, I feel like another thing that if I spoke going back to the top of the episode about is the strike that black TikTokers are on. They're not making dances to thought shit and white folks are losing their fucking minds. Like Megan Thee Stallion is saying, hands on your knees, shake your ass on your thought shit. And people are putting their hands in the air. What the fuck? (laughs) So we're streaming thought shit even through the chaos. Also, I don't know if y'all know Dre Bay. I follow Dre Bay on Twitter. Dre Bay is a rapper and he is just gorgeous. He's everything. He's lovely. He is dropping um, tonight. Today, y'all know I love to tell you today. Today is June 30th. He is dropping tonight a song called FaceTime, and I'm ready to stream and add it to my summer playlist. Per also, outside of music, I've been listening to a podcast that I really love called Sibling Rivalry, hosted by my favorite drag queens or two of my favorite drag queens, Bob the Drag Queen and Monet Exchange. Go listen to my people. I fuck with them. I am a patriot. I paid them money to listen to that podcast. You don't have to. It's 100% free, but I am a Patreon. I'd be on the Patreon and shit. So those are just a few of the things I'm streaming. Again, let me know how y'all feel about some of the changes, some of the segments. What should I change um, if you like them? I know I didn't do unsolicited advice. Maybe I'll alternate questions I need answers with unsolicited advice as I go around. Um, but yes, my darlings, thank you so, so much for tuning into another episode of The Stream, your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast. I'm so excited to be back making episodes and talking about things and stuff with you all. It's been wild, but I, again, really, really appreciate everyone who's reached out to me, checked in with me, looking for the stream, excited for the stream, and I've missed y'all too, and I'm just excited for what's to come. I have some really fun episodes planned, have some guests potentially coming, and thank y'all for rocking with me. I'll catch you in the next one. Bye, and happy Pride, my darlings. Be the fuck gay out loud. Be the fuck queer out loud always. The revolutionary is inclusion. The revolution is queer. The revolution is trans. And if you can't get with it, get the fuck out of here. Get your boots and your coat, okay? And get the hell out of my face. But happy pride. And I love y'all. Talk to you soon. Bye.